Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. This is the uh, Wednesday, April 4th, 2018 edition of our little weather get-together, show number 226. We have on with us tonight Chief Meteorologist Tim Buckley from WFMY in Greensboro, North Carolina. This is, uh, I was actually thinking about this before the show started, Tim. We haven't had you on since you was the chief at Greensboro the last time was uh, when you and Grant were talking about the storm uh, with the WFMI Weather Network, uh, what you do with the spotter. So it's been about a year and a half since we've had you on. So welcome back. Thanks. It's been too long. You haven't, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not wanted anymore. Maybe I'm wanted now. You're always wanted, Tim. You're always wanted. Well, we appreciate you uh, joining us tonight, uh, as well as our other panelists. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be talking about winter weather. We're going to be kind of recapping the uh, 2017-18 winter weather season, and it actually is still continuing, at least through this weekend for the area. But we are hoping that uh, this weekend may be winter's last hurrah for most areas here in the southeast. Has been pretty active, and that is our plan tonight, is to kind of recap all the storms and all the different events that happen throughout the Southeast. So before we do that, this is a live broadcast. So uh, if you are listening tonight, following along on our Facebook Live or Periscope streams or watching on YouTube, uh, feel free to interact with us. The best way to do that is via Twitter, at um, Carolina WX Group. You can leave your comment there, or uh, we'll be monitoring the Facebook Live and the Periscope streams as well. And uh, if you put a question there, and if you're listening on the uh, podcast or maybe the rebroadcast later on this week or a few weeks from now, we'll let Tim share his social media accounts towards the end of the show. So that uh, that way, if you have any questions for him, you can uh, reach him there. So uh, that is kind of all the housekeeping stuff. It's been a fairly calm week here in the Carolinas. Um Yeah, it has been. It's been pretty calm. I know where it has been a little bit more active is out to our west, and we'll bring in Eric from Memphis, Tennessee. Eric, you guys kind of was in the battle zone yesterday with a big line of thunderstorms moving through. Yes, we were. We were in a uh, got upgraded to a moderate risk yesterday, and uh, everybody was on their toes, ready for some big action. Uh, had some pretty good storms uh, fired up in Arkansas um, along that massive cold front that was coming through and uh, started off as broken storms, uh, just broken lines, kind of clusters of storms, which are kind of our worst nightmare in this situation with the 10% tornado risk out there. Um, but uh, actually um, that, that broken line, or I guess kind of uh, grazed north and south of us um, and then formed into a more solid line with some wind off to our east. But I'll, I'll um, if I take just a second here, I'm going to screen share real quick just to give an idea of uh, what we were looking at yesterday as far as the um, the precipitation here. So if you can see my screen, <clears throat> you'll notice the this is the 24-hour precip map, um, Memphis being right at the point of that arrow and storms to the north, a lot of storms down to the south, a lot of pretty heavy rain, and there was a gap that shot right down basically just north of I-40. Um, and from those storms and the moderate risk, I ended up with four hundredths of an inch of precipitation, uh, heard some thunder in the distance. Uh, we basically lucked out. So uh, that's uh, that's kind of a recap of what we got yesterday. I, obviously, we root for people and not for storms, so I'm not disappointed that we didn't get any. Um, but this is uh, an idea of where the severe weather were reports were reported uh, overlaid on that moderate risk yesterday. So pretty active day, definitely in uh, this part of the country. We just happened to uh, skirt by. That's a good thing when you can uh, miss all the severe weather. I know you and uh, the folks there at Memphis Weather were was happy for that. And I did see some exciting news that you, uh, you're you bringing on, a new forecaster there with Memphis Weather. Is that correct, Eric? Yes, I am. We've got one graduating uh, master's degree graduation here in about a month. And so uh, bringing on the, uh, n- the next round of, uh, well, the next one, one more intern to fill the gap. So we're um, moving forward and all of the, uh, all of our friends that help us out here are Mississippi State uh, meteorology students and always glad for the, uh, the help that we can get from down there. Hail State! <laughs> there we go. Thank you for that, Eric. Let's go to uh, let's go to the triad area. Uh, we'll bring in Jordan. Jordan, it's kind of been a calm week uh, weather-wise here in the Carolinas. I don't recall anything major happening besides the pollen. <laughs> Definitely. And if uh, I can take a second to share my screen, I actually had something related to the pollen because that has been the biggest story. So 
Here is our pollen chart for Raleigh, North Carolina, and the uh, huge uptick in the last couple of days you can see with uh, trees and weed pollen in particular, not so much grasses, but it has been, I mean, there's been a yellow haze in the sky for a couple of days. I actually saw the pollen on radar imagery last night. There's so much in the atmosphere. We've had so little uh, precipitation lately to wash any of that out of the sky um, to the point that, you know, we're just still kind of begging for anything to come along and help. Um, so right now uh, we had a, the frontal passage come through last night, but not very much precipitation associated with that for the central North Carolina. So we'll have to wait until this weekend for some relief, hopefully. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we picked up just over a tenth of an inch here in the foothills. And I know a lot of areas uh, nowhere near enough to wash out the pollen. So uh, let's go down to the coastal areas. Let's go to uh, Shay Gibson, who is in Charleston. Shay, how's things down in the uh, the coastal areas this evening? Pretty warm lately, Scotty. We're, we've been really on track with spring. Uh, high temperatures reaching low 80s inland, of course, cooler at the coastline, where the uh, sea surface temperatures are a little bit uh, slightly cooler, actually, um, down to about 63 degrees now. But I'll go ahead and share uh, what's going on right now. We had a, a cold front approach, uh, sort of broke up. Nothing really happened with this one. Very, very small amounts of rain around town and uh, temperatures are now holding in the 70s. So not much of a cool down behind that, but it does look like we could uh, see a few jumps. In fact, um, I'll go ahead and look, share this other screen. And you can see here with the sea surface temperatures, uh, when you have Atlantic high pressure and you have a southerly flow in along the coastline, what happens is, is we get this cooler air in off the ocean. I went to the, to the beach with my kids today because they are on spring break. Uh, some wife and kids went there and it was, it was pretty chilly. I mean, the, this water temperature about 63 degrees. It was a little cool for me. The kids got in for a little while and then we had to wrap them up. Uh, but it was, um, you know, these water temperatures are going to steadily come up. It's kind of tough because, you know, looking at the, the temperature spread, there's a little bit of a roller coaster, a few disturbances moving through the area. Uh, a little bit unsure. looks like this 59 over here on April the 8th may pan out and come back up into the 70s. So we may just have kind of a warm spell for a little while. Uh, but we're just we're watching the weather. You know, the winter is trying to give its last sort of gasps into our climate down here, but it's not quite panning out. In fact, I think you guys up there have a little bit of a threat for some wintry weather up in the mountainous zones uh, come this weekend. But in a nutshell, what's going on down here, especially with the sea surface temperatures, I'm going to go ahead and shout out to Helicity Designs because this is our, our staple shirt. <laughs> and, and this is known as frontalysis. And this is where fronts come to die in the Southeast. So <laughs> that's, um, that's it for in a nutshell here. We're, we're enjoying some warm weather. The pollen count is starting to phase out slowly but surely. Uh, Jordan showed that graph, when, and it's just further proof that eventually everybody ends up eating the yellow snow. It's um, the <laughs> Southeast thing. So put a little humor into it. It's uh, it's. It's on its way out now, so hopefully we'll, we'll phase that out. But one thing we do need to look out for is uh, our, our drought, so we're not getting enough rain, so the drought's starting to come up a little bit now. Um, there are some prescribed burns going on. Check your local listings. If you see large plumes of smoke in the air, it's most likely a prescribed burn, especially in the woodlands. Uh, those could get caught up in the sea breezes, so you may smell that a little bit at the beach from time to time. Uh, but uh, we're rolling along really good here, Scotty. Back to you. All right. Thank you for that report, Shay. I know Jared is running our uh, restreams and all that, so he said he was going to be kind of quiet tonight. But anything you want to add to that, Jared, before we uh, start the conversation? All right. He gives me a thumbs up, so uh, he is good. So uh, we do want to welcome Tim Buckley in with us uh, this evening. Tim is uh, the chief meteorologist there at WFMY in Greensboro, North Carolina. And um, Tim and I are really good friends, and uh, I, I figured who better to bring on than Tim Buckley because – Outside of the mountains, his forecast area, which is uh, the northern Piedmont of North Carolina and southwest portions of southwest Virginia, have been hit the hardest this winter with winter weather. So, Tim, I think by now you're probably done with snow. I know you wasn't a big snow to fan to begin with, but after this season, you're done, right? Yeah, you had to bring the guy on to talk about winter that actually doesn't like snow at all in the first place, right? That was planned. Um, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I, I grew up way up in uh, upstate New York on the coast of, of Lake Ontario. So prime lake effect snow country, we would get about 100 to 200 inches a year uh, at my house. I saw enough snow for my whole lifetime. It's not my favorite kind of weather, uh, but this has been a pretty amazing winter. Scotty and the rest of the gang, you know, this it started in December and 
even today, there's still about this much of a chance we could get another winter system this weekend. I think that chance is, is getting smaller by the minute. But even still, the fact that we're still talking about snow potential, it means it's a long season filled with kind of some snow fatigue for folks. And uh, we'll, we'll chat more about the details of each storm, I'm sure. But the, the fact that every storm has either met expectations or, or certainly overperformed several times uh, has been pretty amazing for me. Uh, it's been probably the, the most surprising winter since I've been in North Carolina, which is about 10 years now. That's a good point, Tim. And I, w- I want to ask you this question. Then I also want to ask um, Eric and, and Shay or Jared and Jordan, because all of us have been affected, e- even the coastal areas of South Carolina with winter weather. So if, if you were wrapping up this winter, what would what would be your biggest biggest talking point, Tim? What would that be? And then I want to pass that around to the, the rest of our panelists. So I think to wrap a bow on this winter, the biggest point would be every storm that looked possible ended up happening. There weren't a lot of false alarms. Each winter, there tend to be several false alarms in model land where you see this storm might be coming and then it it jogs to the north or this snow is coming and we're getting a ton of sleet instead. There weren't a lot of those false alarms. Instead, this year, it was the year that snow lovers actually got their wishes many times with good, fresh, powdery snow uh, that they could enjoy. So I don't want any complaints from <laughs> snow lovers this year. It was a good winter, I think, by any stretch of the imagination. And Jordan, I'll, I'll let you uh, go after Tim because you're in the Raleigh area. And for you guys, uh, you also seen a pretty decent amount. You, your area kind of battles between sleet, ice, snow, rain. But you guys also got a decent helping of snow this year, too. We did, Scotty, for sure. Um, yeah, I would just add to what Tim said that, you know, it, it was at least for us here in the in the triangle and I think for the triad as well. It was a year of really almost overproducing winter storms. A lot of times, you know, if, you know, we'll get one, the track's just right. And it, you know, the models do a pretty good job with with the total snowfall output. This year, I mean, it, I think a lot of the storms uh, exceeded even sometimes what the models were outputting. Um, If I can just uh, share something on my screen real quick, this is actually a graphic from uh, the winter report uh, that I put together for the Southeast Regional Climate Center. I'll scroll down. We actually, I devoted a, a whole section to the winter storms uh, and included this graphic here of the total uh, snowfall output for the winter season. You can see North Carolina was really ground zero for the Southeast, even more, more so than uh, Central and Northern Virginia, which climatologically is kind of the snow capital of the southeast. Uh, North Carolina really showed out this year, especially central North Carolina uh, in particular, did did really well. So it was a it was a blockbuster year for us in, in many regards. And then uh, Shay, I'll bring you or, or Jared in. Um, winter weather wise, you guys normally aren't used to to the crazy active season that maybe we have here in the Piedmont or the mounds, but you also got in on the snow action. So uh, before we go into more details with, with your snowfall event down there, how would you wrap up this winter? I would say temperatures below normal this winter. Uh, it's a little bit, it's quite, quite a bit cooler than people are used to here. So where we would normally have, you know, fifties for highs and, you know, upper thirties, lower forties for lows, um, not much of a, a yield spread between the temperatures. Uh, we felt ourselves a lot of, in, into a lot of uncomfortable stretches of time. So there was, there was a lot of just freezing weather. Um, I don't know the exact stats on how, how many nights we went below freezing, but I'd love to see how it worked out with the La Nina phase. Um, and maybe that's something, Jordan, maybe we can touch on that a little bit later, how it actually panned out for us in the Southeast during the La Nina phase when we're supposed to be hot or warmer than normal and precipitation below normal. Um, maybe uh, how that worked out. But for the most part, you know, December was was a cold month for us in the Southeast. Uh, and then even getting into the beginning of January when we had our, our snowstorm, it was a gradual buildup. The cold air was there. It settled into the Southeast systematically over and over and over with polar plunges. Uh, and, um, and I don't mean that going swimming in the ocean. I mean, Arctic air actually pumping down into the Southeast. Um, and the, the sea surface temperatures cooled to a point where the warm nose factor was, was almost going to be not very existent uh, to create an icing event along the coastline. And then that once everything built up by the end of December, it was just a matter of time. Uh, and, and then it happened. So once it happened, things started to get kind of get back to normal. And then we had a few roller coaster rides, but 
Overall, people are ready for spring and summer this year, more so than the past several years, as far back as I can remember. I agree with that. And Eric, for you guys, maybe not as much precipitation, but you as well were in on the cold cold air. So how would you wrap up winter in the, the Memphis area? Yeah, we, we definitely had our cold shots of air. Oh, uh, overall, the winter was actually just slightly above normal temperature-wise, but uh, January was um, was definitely right after Christmas into the first week of uh, the new year, really cold spell in there. We got down, I think in the city here, down to right around 10 degrees a couple of mornings. Um, it warmed right back up, and then it dropped right back down almost to single digits again in the middle of January. So we definitely had a roller coaster month in January, and that's also when we um, had the couple of winter precipitation events that we got this year. Um, one of them was actually a pretty good sleet storm um, that uh, we got uh, about a half an inch, a little more than a half an inch of sleet. Um, closed schools for uh, a number of days with that. And then several days later, got uh, a two to three inch snowfall around the area. So January was kind of uh, up and down. But uh, I think I think we'll also remember this winter for the month of February, which was not only very warm, but very, very wet. Uh, 13 and a half inches of rain for the month of February. Uh, we're, we're used to the rivers and stuff rising around here about this time of year. Um, we're on our second crest now of the spring because of that uh that extreme rainfall we had in February that caused, uh, you know, the Mississippi river to rise from, you know, heavy rain all the way up through the Ohio Valley and, and through the mid Mississippi Valley. And, and now the normal kind of springtime, uh, uh, rising of the river and the crest as well. So, uh, overall just very wet. Um, and with some, with some pretty, uh, wicked temperature swings there in the month of January. Before we talk about um, that December snow that, that a lot of the areas saw, I want to kind of first, we kind of, and Tim, I know you, you guys do it, uh, especially on TV with, for your viewers. Uh, Eric, you guys provide uh, information to your followers. We all do these winter forecast prognostications. This is kind of what we think is going to happen, but maybe not because, you know, it's just so hard to tell how a season is going to turn out before you actually see the pattern set up. So going into this season, a lot of us thought it would be kind of a mild, maybe a, a mild and transition more into a cooler phase and then right back to the mild and fairly dry, but that, that really didn't pan out for our area. Uh, well, yeah, so, I'll, I'll go ahead first. You know, I'll, I'll first start out by saying that uh, I, I am really not the biggest fan in the world of seasonal forecasts, mostly because I'm not that great at them. Um, but this year, you know, it was really funny how it worked out. It was so sectioned out month by month, December, pretty cold. February or January, also fairly much on the cooler side. Then February was downright blazing for us in terms of warmth for a good period of time. And now March, which technically doesn't count in the winter three month climate section, turned out to be much colder even than February was. So if you take it as the whole in just that three month period, we worked out to be around average. But if you include that March, this really has been below average for a good portion of uh, the last several months doesn't really correspond with the typical La Nina analogs that we were using in forecasting. Um, and we got our fair share of precipitation too. And a lot of it was of the snow variety. Uh, our snow was almost double what we usually see from my area of North Carolina. And certainly going in, I thought we'd be around average or just below. So it ended up being much more than that. It's a tough forecast ahead of the season. It, it really was. And I know uh, that kind of leads into my next uh, topic here. Uh, we had a December snow, and that's very rare for uh, many parts of North Carolina outside of the mountains, uh, portions of Virginia and, and South Carolina, places like that. But we saw a snowfall on uh, December 7th, 8th, uh, or December 8th night, somewhere right in that area. And, and Jordan, I want to bring you in first before I bring Tim in, because uh, I know you have that handy climate report with you. Uh, but that that December storm was was a major winter storm for a lot of areas. I mean, I think uh, some of those snowfall accumulations, Jordan, you were talking about, half of it came with that storm. Indeed. And if I'm remembering correctly, uh, a lot of I think that was a storm that uh, parts of Georgia, uh, you know, some of the areas further to the south uh, really got in on the action. And then it, you know, gradually shifted to the to the north and uh, north and east over our area as well. But you know, it's interesting, you know, Tim was talking about seasonal forecasting and, and using anal La Nina analogs uh, with winter weather forecasting. And I think, and this gets back to Shay's point a little bit earlier, that, you know, we had we didn't have the 
classic La Nina sort of signature, if you will, over North Carolina early in the in the season. We had uh, the storm track was kind of set up more directly over much of the southeast. And so we got some decent surges of moisture and coupled with, um, you know, some really big high pressure systems that came in from the northwest. And that, you know, contributed to a lot of snowfall for our area. But then as the winter progressed, I started noticing, um, uh, you know, that the storm, the storm track started to look more similar to the typical La Nina pattern where it shifts more to the west in the uh, Mississippi River Valley going to the west of the Appalachian Escarpment. And so that kind of shut things down a little bit in terms of precip for our area. And that's kind of when we had the exceptionally warm February as well. So it was kind of a tale of two winters and in a lot of regards, at least for central North Carolina. Yeah, and Tim's got the um, the snowfall accumulations from the, the weather uh, office in Raleigh, uh, kind of showing the accumulations throughout the state there. And Tim, you guys uh, picked up a fairly decent amount uh, there in the triad. Uh, and this is one where I kind of want to bring in my next conversation and what I want to kind of bring that into the other storms is, uh, the models really didn't pick up on this storm until it was almost on our doorstep. Uh, uh, until you alluded to that earlier, you know, the models didn't really handle a lot of these winter storms this year. Fairly good for, for our liking. We, we like to know at least maybe a day or two before, hey, you know, expect this much. But they were kind of giving us right up to the last minute before uh, it showed us these bigger snowfall totals. They were. It was it was a nail biter for sure. Uh, but this one, though, this December storm, which was the eighth into the ninth for North Carolina, it was signaled about 10 days ahead of time. I believe in late November, the Europeans started to uh, show that big jackpot snow potential. And I remember this clearly because the social media hype train got going and I was like, this is never going to happen. We haven't had a December snowfall of significance in eight years. It's early December, all of these things. And then they kind of backed off of it for a while. And then they got back on the train right before it, it ended up coming in. But there was a good deal of skepticism with it. Um, it started during the daylight hours. Uh, the gra- How many times have we seen this this winter? The ground was fairly warm. Uh, the air temperature was fairly warm. And it's like, oh, it's going to take a while to stick. Well, it stuck. And we ended up having a big problem with school buses and evening commutes and those type of things. Schools did not close. It was on a Friday afternoon. Uh, and the roads got pretty darn bad pretty quickly. Uh, and it, it was an issue. Uh, the, the warm ground melted it very quickly the next day, but it, it really accumulated really fast because of those heavy precip rates. Um, a pretty, pretty impressive, very early season snow. So you could yeah. almost say, Tim, that some of these numbers, especially on the eastern edge, eastern fringes, could have easily been a couple of inches more due to, to some of that melt off the initial falls. There was a good amount of melting. I know at my place in Greensboro, it took probably a good three to four hours before it started to stick. Um, and it was snowing really hard during that time, but it, it did take a while. Um, you get some of that evaporative cooling to help on the ground and all those things, the dynamical cooling. Uh, I do remember the night before out to the west and to the south, places like San Antonio, Austin, New Orleans, all these other places, uh, they were picking up the snow. That was when my skepticism turned into, oh, shoot, we're way too low on our totals. If it's snowing there like that, why wouldn't it be the way that it is there here in North Carolina? And it certainly panned out in a big way. And looking at the mountains, this is, Scotty, probably your biggest snow of the season? Yeah, this was definitely our biggest snow. Uh, it outperformed the January system. But, Tim, that was a great point you made. Uh, places like College Station, Texas, San Antonio, they were picking up snowfall records you know that had been laid down for years i mean and this was early december and, and that big swath of of snowfall from from texas all the way through north carolina was was pretty crazy but my if, if i had a, a topic you know something that stuck out to me what what tim was talking about um was the fact that warm ground temperatures really didn't matter when it was snowing hard enough i mean we we saw that accumulation start uh, as long as the snowfall was, was coming down a pretty good clip. So those warm ground temperatures uh, kind of fooled us all, I believe. And so after that event, uh, coming into Christmas, I think there was a few uh, model runs that was like, hey, we may have a white Christmas around here. Uh, we had a, the snowfall earlier in December, and that really brought in the cold Arctic air. And so mm. 
Eric, I'll start with you first because obviously it affected your area first. But uh, right after Christmas through the first week or two of, of January, we saw some of the coldest temperatures uh, that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, that was um, one of those I mentioned earlier. Definitely right after Christmas, um, I remember very clearly um, forecasting for the New Year's Eve festivities that were going to be going on uh, in the city and so forth. And, um, you know, the the big story was just how bitterly cold it was going to be and people out for, you know, multiple hours, obviously, um, perhaps not uh, – real perceptive of their surroundings maybe is a good way to put that uh, during the the new year's eve festivities and um you know that was that was definitely a concern was uh just just how cold it was going to be and we got down um like i said it was about 10 degrees i think for a couple of mornings in a row and it has been many many years since uh memphis has gotten that cold um on a for a morning low and that's in the city um so it was single digits with the wind blowing uh outside the city um so it definitely was uh was the first uh first kind of introduction to 2018 and then we repeated it um back uh, i guess it was uh, a couple of weeks maybe 10 days or so after that another uh, giant cold spell so definitely the arctic outbreaks were um just as much of a story as probably just about anything uh, this winter here and and tim correct me if i'm wrong but i think greensboro experienced temperatures at or below freezing for almost a week was that was that correct yeah, actually, it's funny. I, I had forgotten just how brutal this stretch was until we just bring it up now. I have like PTSD or something after this. been <laughs> pretty bad. Um, so so hopefully you can see this here. This, um, we started the year, and it's funny how it worked out. It was from 1 in the morning on New Year's Eve, lasting all the way through 11 a.m. on January 8th, 202 hours below freezing. So that's eight full days plus an additional 10 hours. That was here in the triad. Um our, our previous record was eight full days uh, below freezing in a row, but that was back in 1917. There was not hourly data back then. I think that that stretch was a little longer, just judging by the, the day's uh, bookending that one. But even still, this year was really, really cold. In that stretch, we had uh, four mornings that were in the single digits. Uh, we had another morning after that stretch in the month of January that was in the single digits. So we had five single digit lows in Greensboro in a month. That's the most we've ever had in a month. Most years we just get like one or two. So it was really cold for a really long time. Uh, and a lot of, you know, that's just at the airport. A lot of folks had had temperatures right around zero or just below. And, and this started a trend of, uh, you know, a lot of water pipes breaking. A lot of school systems either delayed start or even canceled classes uh, because of this cold um, temperatures. And Jordan, uh, you've worked there at the Climate Center. This was pretty widespread throughout the southeast, wasn't it? It was. You read my mind. I was actually pulling up. A, I feel like I'm sharing my screen a lot tonight, but I've got a lot of cool, cool graphics. Um, give me just a second here. So yeah, here's our uh, climate perspectives tool at the Southeast oh. Regional Climate Center. And yeah, here is the rankings for the first week of the year. And yeah, there I think it pretty much tells the story that once ev almost everywhere across the region, mm. even down into northern Florida, which is pretty incredible. Um, so basically all of these stations observed their coldest first week of the year on record. And there were actually a couple of stations uh, the coldest week for, uh, for basically at any time of the year, even, even more impressive. So yeah, it was, uh, widespread and very intense. It, it, so we saw this high pressure set up and it was so strong that we've seen a lot of the storm systems kind of suppress themselves. where Jordan, myself, Tim would see a lot of snowfalls from this mm -hmm. if, if the storm track was active, but that kind of brings up my next storm. And that was where, uh, Shay and Jared kind of got in. That storm track was so suppressed to the south that you guys cashed in big time there in January, Shay. Yeah, the, you're right, Scotty. Um, like I said earlier, you know, leading into December with all that cold air pushing down into the southeast region, it was just one wedge after another after another. And, um, you know, once we there was actually a storm that was forecast to possibly hit on December the 29th. So we were looking at a potential late December uh, system to move in. In fact, the Weather Service put up. Uh, some numbers for cumulative ice. And we were looking at icing at that point. Um, but then uh, that moisture sort of dissipated and stayed to the north. And then we had another system. Um, it was more of a, uh, a Miller. It was a hybrid Miller. A. This low came up from the Bahamas and it was just in the right position. It was um, caused by 
um, short wave energy and, and positive tilt, all these things that, you know, meteorology terms and everything. But the bottom line is this was a very unique situation where the load traveled up from the Bahamas and actually bowed into the coastline. Uh, and it really, really pulled a lot of Gulf moisture up along with it and into that cold diving northerly air to its north. Uh, and like I said earlier, with our cooler shelf waters being in the upper 40s to mid 40s, uh, it, that, that was not very much of a help for a warm nose. When I say warm nose, it means when you have low pressure with a wraparound flow counterclockwise off the coastline, sometimes you get this sort of east or east-northeast onshore surface flow where you get a little bit of warm air injection, but the actual wind stayed mainly from the north offshore, which kept that cold column right down over our area. So we ended up having a nice snow bank just really created right along the coast. It didn't go as far as Columbia. It went as far as maybe Orangeburg. And uh, we really got blanketed down here for a while. We were, I think we were holding the record for the higher amount of snow than even Western North Carolina, some parts of Western North Carolina. Uh, but I'll go ahead and um, share screen on a couple of things. I, I, I usually save a lot of files that I do, uh, but I'll run. You can see, let's see if I can pull it up here. There we go. It gets a little bit tricky whenever three monitors and everything. Uh, but you can see this radar image where the forecasting, the National Weather Service Charleston did a great job. Uh, we all kind of agreed that this system was not going to carry much ice with it. It was going to be a very small accumulation of ice. It would be freezing rain to sleet to maybe grapple and then snow. And that was going to be it. Um, we were fairly certain of that. Everyone was on board with it. So we all said, you know, this, this is going to be a, a heavy snow event in the afternoon. And here it is creeping up early in the morning. It actually arrived about an hour or two, a little bit earlier. So there was a lot of folks on the road, which made it for a dangerous situation. The bridges did not close, but there were a lot of wrecks. At one point, I think there was 100 wrecks uh, or 100 uh, response to accidents or some sort of uh, situations with vehicles. Uh, and we're just not built for that down here. So it's kind of tough. But you can see that, that freezing rain and sleet creeping its way up. And then by uh, the time we got into the afternoon, we were... We were really starting to crank up. I think this was late morning right here, this this particular one. And this was where it was sleeting and grapple. Uh, and then we really got into the thick of things uh, by this run right here. If, I, if it'll play, it might take a second to load. Um, this is where we thought we might see some thunder snow and maybe a switch back to ice right where, where the low pressure center is over Charleston. At this point, we, we expected maybe a little bit of a change to sleet and snow or sleet and ice, but it did not. It actually stayed mostly snow. And we got about anywhere from, um, I think, about four to six inches. In fact, let me go over here. I've got the Weather Service Charleston pulled up, so I'll go ahead and share that. And uh, you can see the snowfall amounts for January the 3rd. But it was, it was a really unique event, and it was, it was specifically a coastal event. You can see the snowfalls here range anywhere from about 4.5. That's where we were, um, where I lived, was about four and a half to five inches. And then we got upwards of 6.8, but there was reports of a little over seven inches from a few folks. Uh, it's just sort of unofficial reports there. Uh, very, very unique situation. It's it's really unheard of. And one of the things that really stumped us was that the high temperatures were expected to sort of come up and start the snowmelt process. Uh, but when you get this much snow over a wide coastal area, what you end up with is a reflective property to the sunlight. And, and so that much snow, and it was powder snow. It wasn't this wet, flaky stuff that we've seen in the past. It was actual, like, real powder. Um you couldn't even build a snowman with it the day that it was falling. You'd wait till the next day to really want to try to build a snowman. Uh, and that's unheard of around here. But uh, when you get that much on the ground, the sunlight reflects. It's what's called a high albedo. And so you're stuck with this stuff for days. And so your high temperatures that were supposed to be in the 40s are now staying near freezing because of it, because the surface temperatures, the, the layer of cold air is just settled right over the ground level. And so that's all you get. The um, warmer air is a little bit higher up in the atmosphere. In fact, uh, this was the third, and you can actually see on the seventh. I'll share a screen one more time here. And this is the uh, this is the snow cover that was still left on the ground four and five days later. So you can see it's wow. still trailing down into Charleston. This is what I'm talking about with albedo. Um, I don't have the satellite image of uh, where it was where it was higher in content, but this whole area, the entire southeast coast down to Savannah, was all white at one point. So um, you know, that, those are the kind of things that we're not used to down here. And so we, we learned a lot with the system. And, and of course, the last one was, I think, 1973, where it dropped this kind of snow or this, this kind of event. So we sort of referred back to that event, uh, but not, 
nothing since Hurricane Hugo went through in 1989. That was a, a you know comparable event, six to ten inches, uh, but it was it melted pretty quick over the next couple of days. But you know we um, we enjoyed it. You know there there was a lot of folks that just really loved it. You know if you have kids, uh, they they don't get a chance to see that in their childhood. I mean, we may go 10 more years before we see an event like that again. So, I mean, I know my little kids, they enjoyed it. You know, they, we got them and the dog out there. We played all day and pulled them around on boogie boards down the street. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it was great. It was great, but it was a brutal week. You know, our high temperatures really just did not, they did not change at all. Um, let me go back one more time. I'll show you the outlook for the air temperatures. And you can see the two meter, two meter air temperature forecast from the GFS brought up to the upper 30s to, to near 41. By January the 7th, we were still down near freezing. So it just shows how tricky these kind of forecasts can be for us along the coast, especially when your water temps are just, man, cold. 40, mid-40s. It actually, I think, got down to about 41 or 42 degrees, maybe even 40 at one point. And that's really cold, very cold for us. Yeah, and, and I'm going to jump in real quick. And, and, you know, we had never had seven days straight of – below 40 temperatures. I think the, the max was three and we stayed a week solid under 40. Now I know, I know that's not quite four days, you know, seven days under freezing. Um, but that's just, I mean, it, it was, it was, it was unbearable. The cabin fever in Charleston was just really getting out of control by day six. Um, I ended up, <laughs> as luck had it, I had a vacation in Miami pre-planned on the sixth day. So we, so we slipped and slide. It was slip and slide uh, down Highway 17. Saw a couple of unicorns, aka SC dot plow trucks, um, and we had no air traffic. I think that's the other thing that really, I, if if you're going to talk about something that's going to stand out for me in the storm, we had no air traffic coming in or out of the Charleston International Airport for six or seven days. Now, whoa. We were shut down. There was no removal equipment. Yeah, they, we, they we're, had, not, we're not built for it. We don't have the in our budget, the bridges. We turned down the engineering portion to heat the, the cable stays. So the ice, if we get icing events, these giant icicles come crashing down. So we have to close the bridge for days, but there wasn't enough of it this time. But yeah, Jared, you're exactly right. It was it was rough, man. Yeah, it, it, it was. Um, I, I hadn't heard it that quiet. Uh, S- September 11th. It was eerie. And I, and I live just a few miles from the airport and I've always lived just a few miles from the airport ever since I've been in Charleston. It was weird. This it, is where, this is where James Brierton would be giving us his speech about how the South should be prepared. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, um, going to happen in the, in the future years coming. So, um, um, I, Oh, I did one more, one more thing I wanted to share guys. Sorry. Um, this was pretty unique because you never see this in Charleston, South Carolina, a friend of mine, Brandon Cordina, if I can pull it up here. And this is at Patriots Point where there's a big soccer field. And so you have uh, the harbor on one side and the northerly winds kicking in. And he was out <laughs> snow kiting uh, during the event on January the 3rd. So, uh, you know, this is this is something you would see up north in like Michigan or, or out west in Colorado. So, uh, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> wow. you know, some of the. Some of my friends around here that we, we, we kiteboard with them, and they took advantage of that. They were able to, to take their four-wheel drive vehicles and go and, and do stuff like that. So um, there was another one the next day, kiteboarding in front of the Ravenel Bridge. Just wild stuff, man. Crazy times. Well, after that, Shay, we kind of the, – the pattern kind of broke down a little bit, but we reloaded right back. And, uh, Eric, I'll come to you for this one, and then we'll make our way back to the, to the east. Uh, we had another winter storm that actually you guys uh, got in on the action with with some snow out in your area uh, on uh, January sixteenth and seventeenth. Yeah, and the um, that was actually preceded here on the twelfth by that. Uh, basically, most of it was sleet that we got. It was a Friday, um, and cold air came in uh, with the precipitation early in the morning. It started off as rain, uh, changed over to freezing rain briefly, and and we thought there'd be a little bit more of a concern with that freezing rain, maybe up to a quarter of an inch. But it it pretty quickly actually changed over to sleet, um, and then we got sleet for. Uh, for a few hours there before it just kind of tapered off as snow right at the end. But about uh, seven tenths of an inch of total, mostly ice um, between the little bit of freezing rain, the sleet and the snow there on the 12th. Um, and that set the stage for the next uh, kind of that next real cold period that came in over the next several days. The 16th was the day that we had, uh, we got snow. It was uh, almost two inches at the airport. 
some areas around uh, outside the city got about three inches. But um, yeah, it was definitely one of those. Uh, it was in a very pretty unusual for here because usually we have a pretty wet snow as well. But with the cold air that had come in ahead of that, um, we we ended up with you know snow ratios that were uh, much more like climate areas to the north than what we get here. I, I would hesitate to maybe call it a dry snow, but it was it was not as packable as it usually is uh, around in these parts. Um, and then behind that, of course, another big cold blast. Uh, that 16th, we had a morning low around 10. Uh, the next day, high of 22 with the with the snow cover in place, a low of 7. Um, so it was uh, it definitely stayed cold for a few days there. But as is typical in the Memphis area, you get a cold blast like that, and then uh, it pops right back up. And within a week, we were pushing 70. So uh, just it's the way it goes around here. But that was definitely the kind of the uh, the one good, I'll call it good snow event that we had uh, this year that uh, produced a couple of inches here. And, and Eric, if I'm not mistaken, that was at the time where the Mississippi was almost froze completely over in your area, correct? <clears throat> there, um, there were some areas um, – along the along the edges and so forth that were that were starting to freeze yes it was not um it would take a very very prolonged period of below normal to or below freezing temperatures to to freeze the mississippi it's it doesn't happen uh this far south very often i've seen some instances where up around st louis and maybe some areas south of that that uh, in very cold periods in history it's frozen across but uh definitely all the ponds and the uh, creek some of the areas where you know that you have water that doesn't move very much uh, just kind of is uh it stays like in, in a pond that uh, those had definitely frozen over here, which doesn't happen, you know, but once every, I don't know, five years, something like that, that that happens. So. And then Tim, that made its way here. And this was the storm that I guess gave a, well, except the ones in March, <laughs> this was the one storm <laughs> that kind of gave us some headaches because again, the model really wasn't doing justice of what we actually saw. Scotty, this was this was a glorified cold front for us. This is the jet streak storm. Okay, so this is the storm that didn't have a coastal low. It was moving through. It didn't seem like having a ton of moisture either, but it came in from the west with that cold front. The jet stream was oriented just perfectly, basically southwest to northeast. And that streak just had such a, a dynamical influence that it was creating its own precipitation for hours on end. We got about nine to 10 hours of snow, maybe about 12 hours, actually. I'm just loading up the map here if you can see it. But it put down close to a foot of snow from Chapel Hill to Orange County, Person County, Alamance County, near 10 inches. This was just a wild storm, yet again, overperforming. We were expecting a, a healthy dose of snow, but nothing near these totals. Generally, I think I was expecting around the order of, of three to six inches, and, and this really went above and beyond that. Um, it was amazing to see, and you know, I think for folks in, in the in the Raleigh-Durham area, uh, really some some snow-starved folks over the last couple of winters, uh, this was the one that they really got their wish with a big winter jackpot snow. And, and Jordan, this I'm going to pop up a picture while I ask you. This was this is probably the biggest snowfall that we we've seen throughout the southeast, correct? I think so, yeah, definitely. Uh, like Tim said, for our area here in the Triangle, this was our blockbuster storm of the year. And, and that's really saying something, considering we had already had two, at least two prior to that, that were pretty good in their own right that we've already talked about. Yeah, that's, I remember this picture well. Uh, yeah, this was, I think I was, I think I had three straight work from home days that week. Uh, <laughs> I simply could not make it in. And I, I live uh, just north of Chapel Hill uh, in the, across the Durham County line, but I couldn't make it to work for about three straight days uh, just because of how much snow we got and, you know, how long it took to plow the roads and get things back in working order. But yeah, the students at UNC definitely enjoyed it. They were doing all kinds of crazy stuff in the football stadium. So I wonder if somebody didn't get seriously hurt, but, uh, but that's college, I guess. <laughs> that's it. And then we kind of went into a break. Uh, I know we had, a little ice in event uh, on the Super Bowl Sunday, uh, a little bit of freezing rain, mm -hmm. but that was pretty much melted by uh, by the evening. Uh, and then February, we all will know it as it being extremely. I don't want to. I don't know if hot's the right word, but it was extremely warm. 
it didn't start out hot. It got hot throughout the really the second half of the month, if I'm remembering correctly. The second half of the month carried the load as far as the warmth goes. Um, but for us, you know, here in the triad, we didn't get any snow in February. Um, and that's and is, actually pretty rare for us. This, we usually get snow February. This is two years in a row, right, Tim? Yeah. In a row. Right. Last year we had, I think, just a trace on the books. Um, and I think that was from some sleet. So yeah, if you're, that's two Februarys in a row, pretty shocking, um, to not get that. I'm fine with it, but we didn't have it. Which February is notoriously known as the snowiest month for the state of North Carolina. And a lot of your big storms come then. Yeah. yeah. A lot of them do. And and Shay, you guys, uh, was also in on the warm weather in February. Yeah. Where we would normally see our, our highest chance for any kind of wintry weather precip. Uh, would be late January into to middle February and even into maybe the beginning of March. But things really just did turn around for us in February and we had some warm spells. But, you know, we, we were still plunging down into the into the freezing levels some of those nights, too. So it just, you know, <laughs> I think after after December, you get two months of this solid sort of just cold weather hammering on people. And then, you know, like I said earlier, everyone's just ready for spring and summer this year to come. So hopefully it won't it won't come with a vengeance. <laughs> Uh, but we do have a couple of questions here uh, from some of our viewers. I want to get to them. And um, Jordan, this one's going to come back to you as well, because I definitely want to discuss the La Nina pattern. Stacy Hughes is asking about uh, La Nina summer, cool in the morning and rain, hot and humid. Uh, I think he's just referring to the La Nina pattern in general. And I'll go ahead and pull that up on the screen while we discuss. Um, and, and I guess my question here is, you know, with this kind of typical La Nina pattern, we also have to factor in what's going on with our polar vortex, not just, you know, the polar vortex is coming, you know, the, it's not a headline event, it's, it's a displacement of, of atmosphere. It can be stratospheric or tropospheric. Uh, it's very complex, but this year it seemed to see, we seem to see more of a, of a kind of um, off its wheels. And we had these Rossby waves or jet stream dips, you know, diving down the Eastern seaboard systematically uh, what did that do for you in the Southeast Regional Climate Center for stats and, and what to expect? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, um, you know, winter winter weather forecasting is incredibly difficult because not only are you thinking about the ENSO phase, which La Nina was a component of <laughs> the NAO and AO or in North Atlantic Oscillation and Arctic Oscillation, excuse me, that work closely hand in hand with each other. And, you know, so you have to kind of put all of these pieces of the puzzle together, if you if you will, to figure out what's going to happen. And so I think, you know, we had an, a winter this year where we saw periods of uh, big negative uh, phases in those two oscillations. And what happens is basically you can get um, some real deep plunges of the, the polar vortex and the polar jet stream uh, deep into the southeast to really provide uh, that cold air at the surface, um, and then couple that, you know, with with some occasional storm systems, you can really get some uh, big snowstorms. Um, but it was, you know, like I was talking about earlier, it was one of those where the storm track early in the winter, or, re- you know, really from December through January, was really favorable for a lot of the southeast, despite what we would typically think of during a La Nina phase, where it's usually shifted just to the west over the Mississippi River Valley. We, we had that later in the in sort of February into March. Um, but boy, you know, once it was really set up early in the season, coupled with uh, some periods of just one Arctic high pressure system after another, it, it really set the stage for a, a big time winter. Very true. Yeah, not, not your, your typical pattern, but, um, you know, again, uh, you know, it gets back to how long have we been tracking ENSO phases and, and how, uh, those are going to apply to future events. And, um, you know, I'm sure that over time, some of these stats or some of these normal things will change and, um, and, and we're all learning from it. So uh, next question, there's one other question. This is from Linda Wells Williams um, and she's from Rockingham County. She says or asks, this weather is unreal. Where are the storms coming from? And uh, I think I can help answer that one. Uh, this time of the year, we start to see Atlantic high pressure building more. Uh, we get into what we call Bermuda highs, where these highs go out. They, they come across the country. They go out into the Atlantic. They expand. And then they're, they're sort of flowing clockwise. 
And so what they're doing is they're pulling south winds and southerly moisture and southerly warm air up uh, from the Florida area across over to the Gulf of Mexico. And so you get this warm air intrusion or warm air sector that's being pulled up into the southeast region. And then you get cold air diving down from the northwest into the southeast and you get a clash of two masses of air. And that's what causes these thunderstorms. So I think that's that's pretty much as we get into this this warmer season, these Bermuda highs will become more prominent. They act like a giant blocking pattern. They encompass a, lo- a large portion of the Atlantic Basin, uh, and that's what gives the easterly trades down across the, um, the Caribbean islands, and, and so it brings the Gulf moisture up from the south. And so that, that's kind of the answer to that question, unless anyway wants to add to it, especially those in the triad where the weather's coming from. I just want to make sure Linda's watching WFMI News, too. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and there that you is- go, Linda. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Is that, was that the last one, Shay? Uh, one other comment. Uh, Robert Grant, he commented on my profile. I just have that one pulled up, uh, answer to a post. He says, I hear winter is coming back for an encore. I think he's referring to an event maybe this weekend. So if you guys want to top that off at the uh, top of the hour, it's a little bit after 9 o'clock, maybe uh, touch on what possible win- wintry air we're going to have, what kind of uh, event we're going to have this weekend. Yeah, we can do that. I, I want to cover March right quick because I know it didn't affect a lot of us, but – Tim's area and even up in the Jordan's area. Uh, Tim I lost March, a lot of sleep. <laughs> March, in is, March in itself was specific almost to your neck of the woods only. So talk to us about the numerous events uh, that was even capped off with a winter storm warning, what, just a week ago? The 20, well, about the 25th of March? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. It was a Saturday. So that would have been the 25th of March. Uh, I want to bore you with some numbers, though, first, before we talk about the snow. So this was um, comparing February and March. This is for the Greensboro Climate Site at PTI. Um, and notice our temperature in February was 50 degrees. Our average in March was about 45 degrees. Uh, we had more 70-degree days in February than we did in March. We had way more 32-degree lows in March than we did in February. All of those are pretty remarkable in fact, I look back all the way in history and I haven't found any bigger difference between February and March in the same year. So it's not the coldest March we've ever had. It's not the only time it's been colder than February, but it's the biggest weather whiplash going from a spring February to a, a winter like March uh, that we've had. So, And that's not even putting on the on the chart there that we had three different snow events in two week period after the second half of the month of March, which is pretty remarkable for us. Uh, This is the map from the first one. Uh Uh-oh. We may have lost Tim. His audio cut out, but his screen's still up. Sometimes we have a little hiccup. We had a little little one earlier that kind of cleared up after a moment, so I'm not sure how that's going to come through. But we'll see if he pops back on. I just sent him a message, um, but kind of talking about, kind of talking about this event. Uh, and Jordan, I'll let you maybe kind of jump in, and then maybe we can get Tim back. Uh, but this was really kind of only your part of North Carolina, northern North Carolina, from from maybe uh, obviously the mountains, but from Wilkesboro to Raleigh, you guys got in on the action several times. We did. Yeah, it was one of those uh, months where, and I think Greensboro Airport had uh, three measurable snowfall days uh, during the month, which is pretty, un- you know, pretty unusual for March, much less any winter month for that matter. Um, I think the record is maybe five for Greensboro, so not unprecedented, but still unusual. Uh, Raleigh had two, almost three, but they traced out on one day. But anyway, you're right. Um, you know, the central portion of North Carolina was um, it was just in the sweet spot for a lot of, you know, the month of March where we had, the you know, some cold air in place. Some of the storms that came through were able to, you know, through evaporational cooling and, and dynamic processes were able to kind of create their own cold air, if you will. Um, and, you know, the, the precip um, bullseye was just really in our area and, you know, gave us several pretty memorable March uh, snowstorms for the area. Yeah. And if my audio is back now, hopefully it is. Um, this was our late cool. This is the, the latest snow. Like we've set this record three times. This is our latest snowfall since 2003 uh, in the triad area. 
um, when we had snow on March 30th, I guess it was. But it's really been a long time since we've had that. And I think the 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 lesson that I finally learned after three or four snowstorms this year, where we were consistently underdoing our forecast, is if you get it if you get snow to come down hard enough, it doesn't matter what your ground temperature is, it doesn't matter what your air temperature is, it's gonna stick. If it's coming down hard, it's going to accumulate. Even here in North Carolina, even during the month of March, it's pretty amazing. But we we did see that several times, um, and I think that'll be a lesson to take away from this winter. Always consider uh, the snowfall rates and don't get cocky about oh the the soil temperature is forty three. Like watch watch the weather more closely because I got burned a couple times this year for sure. I learned on that last one, but the the first couple were kind of rough. Yeah, pretty incredible. Um, Sorry, uh, Scotty, I was just going to say, even after that exceptionally warm February that we had, Tim, the, the ground temperatures, it didn't really matter. Even after all of that warm, uh, you know, warm weather throughout February, it still didn't matter. So just to further your point there. Yeah, I was, Tim, I was going to say a friend of ours, Chris Freeman, was talking about that. Uh, if you get QPF to come down hard enough, it doesn't matter what the temperature is. That snow is going to stick. So uh, the 25th was a big event. 24, 25th was a big event, especially for your area, Tim. I know uh, portions of Virginia, I think it was close to a foot. I, I know Martinsville, uh, Virginia, with the NASCAR race, they had, what, five, <laughs> six inches of snow? Talk about talk about that because, like you're talking oh, about, man. end of March is not really the time to get snow, but a big snow for, for parts of your area. It was a really big snow, Scotty, especially Southern Virginia. And they were prepared for that. I think they were expecting it. Uh, we did interview the guys up at, up at Martinsville the day before. Like, hey, what you going to do? Like, what, what's the plan? <laughs> like, oh, we're going to clear the track. It's going to be fine. I'm like, where are you going to park people? And they're like, you got all these grass fields. But either way, um, they didn't race. They did not race on Sunday. They did get six inches of snow. I have a weather spotter up in Stokes County, and he was joking with me all season. He's just been continuously busting my forecast single-handedly. Um, and he got up to seven inches on March 25th in Stokes County. Um, so pretty amazing. It was all gone by lunchtime, basically the next day. We had March sunshine. I was out and about trying to take some pictures. And honestly, like I was driving up there. And by the time I got there, it was almost all gone. So it it was unprecedented. Uh, I think it was kind of fun for folks too, uh, just to watch it. But uh, it did have a big impact. There were several thousand people without power. The Bradford trees, uh, you know, this really scared some folks. They were they were sitting there at nighttime and they just heard the sound of snapping trees here, there, everywhere, because you had the blossoms, even some leaves on all of the trees. And we know how weak some of those are. It doesn't take much of a wet snow, let alone four to five inches of it to really snap them. So big human impacts with that one. Thankfully, it was on a weekend. Um, March snow doesn't last long. <laughs> but uh, it left a pretty big impact for sure. And, and we'll wrap up this conversation because I know we're after nine o'clock with maybe winter's last hurrah. Uh, like you talked about at the beginning, Tim, it kind of looks like minute by minute that the snow chances for your portion of the area is getting slimmer, but uh, you're going to be, your area is kind of in that battle area, maybe a little bit more North, but kind of talk to us about uh, your expectations with this uh, upcoming weekend. Yeah, I think certainly, you know, it's always tempting to, to hug the models on each run here a little bit. Um, right now, I would say the snow chance is probably very low um, for Saturday into Sunday. Um, I, I kind of try and take the approach of the if, if you're looking at the models and they're saying snow, the chance is probably a little bit less than they're saying. If they're not saying snow, it's probably a little higher than they're saying. Um, but even still, it, it does look like it's trending farther north. That battleground of, of snow is probably anywhere from like Roanoke to Charlottesville up to D.C., or something like that. But we could still see a little bit of mixing. It wouldn't take too much. Uh, I'm at the point right now where I'm, I'm saying not likely, but I'm not ready to say no way. Um, it looks more likely to me, actually, that uh, that warm front, cold front, if it stalls just north of us, uh, maybe not my area as much as the Raleigh area, we could have a severe weather concern with thunderstorms in parts of North Carolina um, with a tight, tight uh, frontal boundary on Saturday. So that might be a bigger concern for folks. Definitely so. And then uh, it does look like we all cool off Saturday night into Sunday with potential um, freeze conditions for, for many areas. I know uh, some folks have already planted plants, and we always tell you wait till after tax day, but uh, some folks have got uh, the green thumb. But, again, that's that's our biggest concern. And would you guys uh, suggest that we're, we're pretty much exiting the uh, the winter season maybe after this weekend? I'd say that's a yes for the Charleston area. 
<clears throat> yep. I, I think this is that it. way here too. Famous last words, but this yeah. is it. I'm rooting for it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I, I'm rooting for it too. Well, we'll jump off here. I know uh, we normally do tweets of the week, but I know Tim's probably got to go do some promo stuff here in just a little bit. So uh, we'll let Tim uh, uh, give out his social media uh, of how you can follow him uh, on the various platforms. And uh, I'll, I'll let you go ahead, Tim. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, pretty easy to find. Just type in Tim Buckley. My Twitter is Tim Buckley WX. Uh, meteorologist Tim Buckley on Facebook. Type in weather Tim Buckley, some combo of that. You'll find me. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my tweet of the week real quick, just because uh, this is like a pride of place thing for my hometown. <laughs> so there's this lady named Carol, Carol Yurden, and I've known her all my life. She lives in Redfield, New York. Okay, well she's become somewhat of a social media darling over the last couple of years. She lives on what's called the Tug Hill Plateau, which is definitely the capital of lake effect snow in the world or uh, that's at least what i'm gonna say um but seriously this is this is her picture from she tweeted this this week i guess it was march 31st just before easter she says happy easter eve from redfield we close out march with 40 and we lost him <laughs> yeah, we lost him again but uh yeah that's interesting that the lake effect snow is still ongoing up there I and mean, you, you got Frozen over, now they're melting. Now you have more lake effects now. Back and forth. 368 inches in a season. Yeah. That is ridiculous. I may never complain about snow again. <laughs> uh, I know Tim, he's telling me he's got, they've got some Wi-Fi problems going on. So he may not be back to join us to close out because he's got some promos to do. But you guys, uh, I know we're running close on time. Do you want to do Tweets of the Week? or We sure. can. If anybody's ready, I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll go All last. Right. All right, I've I've got um, well I did have one. Hold on one second. Give me a couple seconds here. You know we could all do safe space. That was a big thing today. So that's uh, going into the severe weather. I'm going to do mine on safe space today. So. That was so. Here's mine. I'll pull it up right quick. Uh, this is from our buddy Chris Michaels, who is up at WCYB in uh, the Bristol, Tennessee area. Uh, this was uh, actually those storms that um, that Eric was talking about earlier in the show. Uh, that line of uh, severe weather moved through uh, eastern Tennessee last night around uh, midnight to 2 a.m., and uh, this was the results of some uh, damaging straight-line winds. This was a, a mobile home at 2 o'clock in the morning, I think is what uh, Chris said, uh, that was rolled over during a severe uh, thunderstorm. I think the wind gust was up to 70 miles per hour there, but again, uh, that just says uh, you know, no matter if it's rotating wind or a straight-line wind, uh, it can cause damage, and unfortunately, nobody was home at the time that this happened, but it just shows you that uh, severe thunderstorms uh, need to be taken just as serious as, as tornadoes. So uh, that is my tweet of the week, and that's from uh, Chris Michaels up at uh, WCYB in Bristol, Tennessee. I've got one ready if you want me to go. All right. Yep. Go ahead. All right. All right. We, were, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about the pollen season. Pollen season has been here for uh, – at least a month now, uh, ever since we got rid of that, uh, that rain at the end of February. And of course everything started blossoming. Um, and I did find a good, uh, tweet just a little while ago, um, that showed, and this was a couple of different places, but the AMHQ had it. And this is not a snowstorm. That is a pollen storm, uh, wind driven pollen. And that's actually from over in, uh, your neck of the woods over there as well. in apex, North Carolina, I'm not sure exactly where that's at, uh, but security camera catching pollen blowing across the area. <clears throat> and that was probably our biggest regret from not getting the storms yesterday was people are still complaining about the pollen this morning. <laughs> we thought we were going to get a good pollen wash. That's it. That's just outside of uh, Raleigh area. So um, yeah, well, I'm telling you the pollen's nasty here. You could yesterday you could kind of, I don't know. You may have seen it, Jordan. You kind of see that haze in the sky, just that pollen. That was definitely, yeah. it was uh, pretty yucky. It was. All right. Well, Jordan, you have a tweet of the week? I do. Let me share my screen here. So this uh, switching out to the West Coast, I thought this was really cool. Uh, One of my favorite atmospheric features, uh, the Atmospheric River, which they refer to as Pineapple Express out there because a lot of the moisture originates down in the Hawaii area. But they're looking in the Bay Area, at least, at uh, potentially all-time record high uh, precipitable water levels, or basically the total amount of water vapor 
in the column that's available to be precipitated out uh, with this particular river. What's really incredible, which uh, Daniel Swain, by the way, he's a great follow on Twitter uh, with these types of events. It This is uh, going to occur when the Bay Area typically reaches its minimum value in PWAT during the year. So um, an all-time record when you would typically see the uh, minimum atmospheric moisture content, that's a pretty astounding record if it comes to uh, comes to bear. That is. All right, Jordan, thank you very much. Jared, do you want to try or are you good? His, his audio may be out. Uh, Jared, if you're there, you want to chime in, please do. I'll go ahead uh, with mine. He said he's good. So go ahead, Shay. And I normally wouldn't tweet my own tweet, but today was a safe place selfie. And um, the Weather Service and National Weather Association were encouraging people to sort of do selfie pictures of them in safe spots during hazardous weather. So um, I chose the tub and brought my little daughter. We both wore helmets. And uh, it's a safe, it's a safer spot. It's centrally located. If you have a laundry room, Jared posted one of a laundry room. Uh, but just know your house, know where the safest spot is to get yourself centrally located. I think uh, James Spann had some some really interesting pictures about a week ago of some debris flying into homes, two by fours and all kinds of things that were going through walls and ended up in the hallways. So, uh, you know, th- these are the kind of things when you have hazardous weather leading into the spring, when you have tornadic activity or high wind events that uh, you know that you know where your safe spot is in your home. And, and if you have children, Make sure you get them as safe as you can in those spots, too. So uh, that's my Tweet of the Week, Sky. Just a little bit of awareness on uh, our hazardous weather and what to do. All right. Thank you, Shay. I appreciate it. And uh, we thank all of you uh, who are watching tonight for joining us. Again, if you uh, want to follow Tim Buckley, it's at Tim Buckley WX on Twitter. And on Facebook, you can just search uh, meteorologist Tim Buckley and his profile will pull up. Next week, we have John Jensenius on with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about lightning and lightning safety. Uh, so uh, John's back for his, um, I guess, his yearly visit. This is what, year two or three, Shay? This will be year two. So, year two, um, yeah, yeah, we're excited to have him on. He, he's uh, the leading lightning expert. He puts out all the, the latest uh, occurrences. Uh, that includes lightning strikes on, on humans. Uh, where they occurred, the news articles that go along with them. And, and uh, so we're, you know, uh, hit, hitting that season. And last year was a really low amount of, of people that got struck by lightning, which is good. It means people are starting to pay more attention. So we hope to see more of those low stats on lightning strikes this year. Yes, we do. Um, on the 18th of April, we have uh, William Churchill uh, from the National Weather Service in Memphis. He's going to be talking to us about Go 16 and all the different uh, operations that it'll do. And I'm really looking forward to that show. Uh, we've really uh, been able to talk about Go 16, but on this show, we're going to get to go into the detail of uh, what all it can, all the products it can give us. And then as we wrap up April, um, Andrew Lactano uh, from the National Weather Service in Blacksburg, Virginia will be joining us. He's going to be talking about the new enhanced hazardous weather outlook product that the National Weather Service is going to be rolling out, uh, I think over uh, the summer months. Uh, the Blacksburg office has been kind of a test bed for that. So uh, he's going to be talking to us about uh, that new product. And uh, we look forward to that. So with that, uh, we'll end the show tonight. We hope you have a, a great weekend. Uh, enjoy uh, maybe winter's last hurrah because it does look like we start to warm up next week. And I think after tonight's show, we're all looking forward to that. So everyone have a great weekend. And we'll see you back here next Wednesday night on the Carolina Weather Group.